Episode 6 of All Those Things Revealed After some time, our horse and cart stopped. I heard Father's voice outside of the cart. Hello, I'm here to see Mr. Macy. I believe that he is expecting me, he hollered. Mother and I got out of our cart. I began to straighten my skirt. I looked in the direction of Father, who had jumped down from the cart. A man was walking towards him. He wore fitted trousers tucked into worn boots. His shirt was tousled and dirty. His hands were even dirtier. He wiped his hands on his trousers and extended a hand to Father. You must be Mr. Delamar. I am Hugh Macy, he said with a smile. Father's face revealed his surprise. He took Mr. Macy's hand and shook it vigorously. Mr. Macy smiled broadly. He was enjoying the fact that he had taken my father by surprise. I looked more closely at Mr. Macy, ready to avert my gaze if I was caught staring. I, too, was surprised. I was expecting a pompous peacock in a cravat and torturous jacket. Instead, I saw someone who might have frequented our home for dinner or tea. He was a handsome man. He had a slim face with a slight point to his chin. His eyes were a light blue-gray, and his mouth was small. His hair was graying and shoulder-length, worn loosely gathered. I guessed that he was around 50 years of age. His skin was slightly bronzed. It was obvious to all that he was a man that enjoyed spending time out of doors. He glanced in my direction. Mother stood next to me. This is my wife, Mrs. Delamar, and my daughter, Costanza, father said, motioning towards us. It is a pleasure, Mr. Macy said as he walked towards us. He gave us each a courteous nod. Thank you. It is a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Macy, mother said. I smiled. I wasn't sure if my parents would resent me answering Mr. Macy. I just murmured my thanks and looked down, averting my eyes. Costanza, how old are you? he asked. I blushed. Costanza is fifteen. She is tall for her age, father interrupted. I looked at father, who was suddenly irritated. I couldn't understand why he would take an exception. Mr. Macy was warm and friendly. He seemed to be kind. He was not flirtatious. To make matters worse, I realized at that very moment that my parents, in their efforts to silence and punish me, had overlooked the fact that I had recently turned sixteen. I was overcome with the feeling of injustice. I recently turned sixteen, sir, I said. I looked at my father. He was even more surprised than he had been to learn of Mr. Macy's identity. I didn't even look in mother's direction. I knew that I was bold to correct my father, but I didn't care. Is that so? My daughters are eighteen and nineteen. Perhaps the three of you can become friends, he said. He looked at me with kindness. He gave me another smile, and I knew that I was right. Their names are Jane and Charlotte. They are looking forward to meeting the three of you. I promised my wife, Mrs. Delamar, that I would invite all of you to tea, he added. The expression on his face betrayed some embarrassment. He paused in his speech. He looked at each of us in turn before he continued. I'm afraid that I cannot keep my promise, for the three of you look to be absolutely exhausted. Father and mother laughed and nodded in agreement. I simply smiled. Our journey was very tiresome, father said. I will have someone take you and your family to your cottage, Mr. Delamar. I will see the three of you the day after tomorrow for afternoon tea, he added. Father nodded in agreement. 
Thank you, Mother said. He walked past us, and I realized that he had not previously been walking from his house. He was probably returning to his house when he came upon us. I watched him walk away. I followed him, leaving several paces between us. The road curved, and I saw a stone wall. I walked to the wall and looked over it. That was my first glimpse of Dunas house. I could see, even from my distant vantage point, that it was magnificent. I walked back to where my parents stood. Father turned and watched me approach. I slowed my pace. I was expecting him to be furious at me for contradicting him. Instead, he was bemused. So you have turned 16, he asked. I was silent. She turned 16 the day that we left, Mother said quietly. Father nodded. He gave me a strange look, a mixture of mild irritation and even some admiration. He then shook his head and looked away. Recent events have been difficult for all of us. I hope that you can understand how your mother and I feel, Father said, averting his eyes from me as he spoke. I did not answer. I did feel defiant, but that was not the only reason I did not answer. I could not answer because I did not understand. Mother and father had all but abandoned me. I had not asked for what had been done to me, and I knew that I was not to blame, but my parents had still punished me. They had made certain that the night of my attack was never far from me. I knew that I hated my uncle. He had stolen something very precious from me. That was his doing and his alone. As terrible as this was, I might have been able to forgive him. But I also hated him for forcing me to realize the painful truth about mother and father. I hated to know the truth. I hated the fact that I so hated to know the truth. We stood quietly. Father looked at me. I knew that he was waiting for a reply. I did not give him one. He would not have wanted me to tell him what I understood. Before Father could say another word, Shannon began advancing towards us. I looked in his direction. He smiled warmly. Miss Delamar, he said, tipping his hat. I couldn't help but smile. I didn't look in Mother's direction because I didn't want to see the expression on her face. Shannon helped me into the cart and this time I did not avert my eyes when he smiled at me. I returned his smile. Father, mother, and I didn't speak as our cart moved along, passing woods and fields. The sky had cleared, and the sun shone brightly, enhancing the colors of the landscape. Our cart slowed to turn. I looked out of the window and saw a cluster of pink and white wildflowers. I adjusted myself in my seat to see them more clearly. Father leaned over and looked out of the window, too. Our cart began to move again, and I sat back in my seat. Those are cat flowers, Father said. He cleared his throat and added, Cat's paws. Mountain everlasting is the name my mother used, Mother said. I didn't respond. Soon our cart stopped. Shannon came to the door and opened it. He helped me out of the cart. I looked ahead of the cart and saw a cottage that was remarkably like our home in Athlone. It was freshly whitewashed. I began to walk towards the cottage and jolted as a cat ran past me. It was black and white. My heart sank as I thought of Cuckoo. We had been forced to leave him in Athlone. Mrs. Plunkett had offered to take him until we could return. I heard my parents following me. Shannon opened a double door, and I was the first to enter our new home. 
As I entered, I was surprised to find that the fire was already lit in the hearth. I looked around and saw that the interior also resembled our Athlone cottage. There was a large hutch, a large chest, and a table. There were several baskets. There was no settle bed, which surprised me since most of the cottages I had visited did have one. I walked through the main room and entered a room that I was certain would be my parents' room. The bed was large. There was a chest, desk, and small dressing table complete with a mirror. I walked out of the room and saw that my mother was occupied at the hearth while father had climbed the ladder to inspect the loft. I could see from my vantage point that the loft was significantly larger than the one in our Athlone cottage. I walked to the other side of the cottage to inspect the other room that flanked the main room. When I entered this room, I was stunned to find that it was even larger than the first room that I had inspected. It was similarly furnished and included two chests. I quickly left. I couldn't help but smile as I returned to the fine room that would be mine for as long as we stayed. I looked to the front door and saw that Shannon was watching us. He was holding a black and white cat that had ran past me. I noticed that the cat was very small, but it was not a kitten. She wandered into Junas a couple of weeks ago. No one has claimed her, he said, stroking the cat. I walked slowly towards him. May I please hold her, I asked. He handed the cat to me. I held his gaze for a moment before concentrating on the cat. She immediately began to purr. She curled up in my arms. Mother looked in my direction. Shannon looked at Mother and gave her a broad smile. Has she found a home, Mrs. Delamar? he asked. Mother nodded her agreement. Thank you, I said quietly. He simply smiled. Father began to descend from the loft. When Father had reached the bottom step of the ladder, Shannon cleared his throat and called to Father. Do you need anything else before I leave, sir? Father shook his head. No, thank you, he said. Father gave me a weary look as I cradled the cat. The card is for your use for as long as you are here, Shannon said. Father nodded. Shannon looked at me again and then turned to leave. I watched him leave. I stood clutching my small, mewing bundle. Once he had left, I walked to my room, rubbing the cat's head to quiet her. I had already decided to name her Shannon. The next day, I awoke to the smells of breakfast cooking at the hearth. I lay in bed, petting Shannon. Mother knocked softly and opened my door. She didn't say a word, but instead she simply glanced at me and walked away, closing the door behind her. I got out of bed and dressed. I had washed the night before, but my hair was in dire need of a brushing since I had gone to sleep with a damp head. I brushed my hair and looked about my room. I was struck again by how much nicer and larger it was than my room at our Athlone home. I began to unpack my chest of things, and Mother opened my door again. Shannon walked to her and gave her a very loud meow. Once again, Mother didn't say anything, but this time, when she walked away, she left my door open. I knew that this meant that breakfast was ready. Shannon followed her as she left. I put down the folded clothes that I had just picked up and followed Mother and Shannon. As I walked to the table, I was surprised to see that Father was not present. He was usually the first one to the breakfast table. Mother had not even set a place for him. I sat down and was about to begin eating when I heard a knock on our cottage double door. 
I got up from the table and walked to the door. I fumbled with the door, finally managing to open the top portion. I opened it and was surprised to see Shannon. He was holding a crate. He smiled at me. Good morning, Miss Delamar. Are you having trouble with that door? He asked. I blushed and nodded. Good morning. Please call me Costanza, I replied. I don't believe anything is wrong with the door. I am just not used to this type of door, I added, my voice trailing off. You will get used to it. Mr. Macy asked me to bring this crate, he said. I vaguely remembered seeing a crate of potatoes and other foodstuffs near the hearth when we arrived. I wondered what else Mr. Macy had given us. Thank you, I said enthusiastically. Please come in. I fumbled with the bottom door. I struggled to open it, but I could not figure out how to open both of the doors at once. The latch system was unique. I couldn't help but laugh at my efforts. Shannon put down the crate. He reached inside of the door, and after a moment, the door swung open. He smiled coyly and picked up the crate. He followed me into our cottage. Mother looked up and gave a faint smile. Hello and good morning, she said. Hello, Mrs. Delamar. I have something for you from Mr. and Mrs. Macy. Where may I place this, he asked. Mother motioned to the table. Please, that would be fine. Would you like some tea, she asked. Her manner was pleasant, but also somewhat reserved. No, thank you, Mrs. Delamar. I have to return to work, he said. Thank you, Mother said. Good day, Mrs. Delamar, he said. And you too, Costanza, he added, giving me a warm smile before he left. I watched him as he walked away. Mother hadn't been very friendly, but that hadn't dampened his spirits at all. I realized that I knew very little about this young man, but I wanted to know much more. Is it Costanza now? Mother said under her breath. I ignored her and returned to my breakfast. She walked over to the crate and began to unpack the contents. She mused over the items as she took each item out of the crate. Hmm, fresh cream, milk, and cider, real apple cider, she said. I believe they have an orchard near their house. I think I saw one yesterday, I said. My voice faltered as I finished my sentence. Despite my parents' reluctance to speak with me, I still occasionally lapsed into my previous habit of speaking to mother or father without first being spoken to. Mother's musings had been directed at the cart, not at me. Mother looked at me for a moment. I waited for her to correct me. Well, we will have to try this cider before your father does and make sure it is fit for consumption, she said with a frail smile. I looked at her with surprise. I wondered if mother's loneliness and the prospect of spending several months here had caused her to speak to me. She glanced at me again as she finished sorting through the crate. I watched as she placed butter and eggs on our table. Please get us some glassware for the cider, she said. I walked to the hutch and began opening and closing various compartments. I soon found the glasses. I was impressed. We usually drank from mugs. I had never used glassware before. Father had once received two Scottish whiskey glasses as a gift. He had given them to our parish priest, who was fond of collecting various types of items. The glasses in our hutch looked similar to the ones that Father had been given. I also noticed small glass plates and a stack of linens. I grabbed two of the small glasses. As soon as I did, Mother hollered at me. Costanza, carry one at a time, she said. I placed one of them on a shelf and walked to the table with the other one. Mother reached for it and sighed as she looked at it. These must have cost a fortune. 
Why would they have put such expensive items in our cottage? She asked. Her voice was low, and I knew that she was not asking me for my opinion. I simply returned to the table with the second glass and carefully placed it on the table. After a few moments, Mother got up to get our breakfast off of the hearth. She had made griddle cakes with jam. She had also cooked some of the rashers that were part of our foodstuffs that awaited us when we arrived the day before. When she put a plate in front of me, I decided to risk Mother's wrath and ventured to offer an opinion. Once Father received two such glasses as a gift, he gave them away to Father Nugent, I said. Mother looked at me with surprise before walking back to the hearth. As she piled food onto her own plate, she called back to me. When was this? Last year, when he was called away to do a job in Monaghan, the landlord gave him the glasses as a gift. Father said that Father Nugent loved to collect useless items and would be happy to receive them, I said. Useless items, Mother exclaimed, glancing in my direction. Father said that the glassware would likely get broken and it could give people the wrong impression if they were familiar with such items, I said. What did he mean by that, she asked, setting her plate down. She returned to the hearth. Father said that people use these types of glasses to drink whiskey. They are usually made in Scotland, I said. Mother walked back to the table and placed a mug of tea next to her plate. She poured cider into my glass and then her own. I wonder why they parted with such fine glassware, she said with a faint smile. Mrs. Macy might not have wanted anyone to get the wrong impression, I said. Mother nodded. That is possible. Only a serious drinker would purchase such fine glassware, she said. Perhaps Mr. Macy was not aware of the standard use of such glassware. He might have innocently intended to use these to drink water, I said. Mother laughed. Yes, he doesn't have the look of a hard-drinking man. I am glad that he left these for us, she said, admiring the glassware. I marveled at how little it took to impress Mother. She could be totally ridiculous at times. I raised my glass to my nose and inhaled the scent of the apples and cinnamon. I took a small sip of the cider. It was delicious. Mother took a sip of her cider, and I could tell by the look on her face that she too approved of the taste. Mother placed her glass down. Your father is running an errand this morning. He wanted me to speak with you, she said. I was confused. We had just arrived. What errand could possibly have called father away on our first morning in our new home after such a long and arduous journey? Adding to my confusion was the fact that father had specifically asked mother to speak with me. I steeled myself for unpleasantness. I too have something I would like to discuss with you, mother said. Eat your breakfast, Costanza, she added, noticing that I had stopped eating. She pointed at my plate. Shannon began to meow plaintively near my feet. I had been so taken by mother's sudden willingness to talk to me that I had completely forgotten about Shannon. I felt a pang of guilt. I quickly glanced at the milk. Mother sighed impatiently and nodded her approval. I walked to the hutch and began searching for a small bowl. We are going to take a walk today, Costanza. I want to show you some places that I remember from my youth. It won't take us long, she said. I found an appropriate bowl. I turned to Mother with surprise. She saw the look on my face and laughed lightly. Yes, I used to have some relations in these parts. They were relations of my mother. They have all since died or moved to Limerick City, which is only a couple of hours' walk from here. 
That is where your father went this morning, she said. I glanced at mother. She appeared to be deep in thought. I wondered why father had gone to Limerick. I wanted to ask her, but I did not want to interrupt her reverie. She was silent for a spell before she added, My mother took me and my siblings to visit her relations on a few occasions when I was young. I placed the bowl on the ledge of the hutch and reached for the milk. Why did father have to go to Limerick? I asked. I poured the milk into the bowl and returned the bottle of milk to where mother had placed it in the hutch. I carefully carried the bowl of milk to an area not far from the hearth where I believed that it would be safe. I placed it onto the floor and glanced at mother. She hadn't answered me. You will find out soon enough, she said. Her face was pleasant when she said this, but I was still worried. Now eat your breakfast. We'll discuss this more on our walk, she added. She had already finished her breakfast. She began to sip her tea. I began to eat my breakfast. When I had finished eating, I gulped the last of my cider. Mother had already cleaned her plate and had drunk a second mug of tea while waiting for me. I rose from the table and walked towards my room to grab my coat. By the time I returned, Mother had already donned her coat. As I buttoned my coat, I paused for a moment. The buttons were still not any tighter. I was relieved. I was not looking forward to the time when my condition would begin to show. This episode of All Those Things Revealed is based on a novel of the same name, available in print and Kindle formats at Amazon.com. Thank you for listening to the Irish Stories podcast.